Christmas story is a beautiful story. It's a story that we have heard so many times, um, but it never, for me at least, gets old. We read the Christmas story typically as in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel, and, and they tell this story from what I'll call the a ground level view. In, order, in other words, you, you meet Mary and you meet Joseph and you interact with these shepherds and 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 magi and 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 even a wicked king you discover this dusty little backwater town of Bethlehem but there something incredible has happened a baby's been born well you go well that's not so incredible that happens all the time and yet this newborn baby sleeping in a manger, a feeding trough, this is unlike any other baby who has ever been born. And the family gathers around there, Mary and Joseph, and they're there because there was no room for them anywhere else in the city. But there they are, a beautiful story, a story we read hundreds of times before, and sometimes we get so familiar with it that it loses its sense of wonder. I was talking with a pastor friend tonight. He was in a service uh, earlier this afternoon. And, and we talked about, you know, as pastors, after you've been doing this for a few years, you wonder, is there anything new, anything fresh that I can say about this story that I know our people have heard for, for year after year after year after year, many times since they were in preschool. And here's the reality of it. We don't need this story to be new or to be fresh because it's real. And it matters. And, and, and Matthew and Luke deal with that reality from that ground level view. For you have an angel appearing to a virgin named Mary to tell her that she was going to give birth to the promised Messiah. You have shepherds minding their own business, out tending their sheep, tending their flocks on the hills of Bethlehem when an angel shows up to tell them that the Messiah had been born and they could actually go and see the newborn king. As we read the story, sometimes we simply need to pause and to close our eyes and to see the newborn king in the manger with Mary and Joseph there looking over this child. I mean, any of you who've been parents or grandparents, you know there's, not, there, there's hardly any greater joy than to look into that crib and to see that baby sound asleep. Well, probably because they've been keeping you up, but it's just precious anyway, okay? Even if they hadn't been keeping you up, it's just, just, I mean, it's, you just stand there and just watch that little baby breathe. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph as they, they just looked into that manger to see this baby? But theirs was a little bit different because they would be reminded of the angels that came to them to tell them what God's plan was and their part in this plan. And then here they are looking at their baby, marveling over all that God has done and how God brought them through this and what crazy circumstances surrounded this birth in Bethlehem. 
And here come shepherds, just out of the blue, to say, hey, listen, we just want to let you know that some angels said we were going to find your son and that this is the Savior. This is the Messiah. And we've come to see it with our own eyes. If we could just pause as we read the story and let the wonder of it sink back in to us. For that baby is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, Matthew and Luke tell that story from a ground level perspective where you're standing right there in the middle of it. If you close your eyes, you can see it. John tells the story, but he tells it a little bit differently. He tells it from an elevated position. In other words, it's as if, you know, this is kind of a human perspective, but, but John says, I want to take you up a little higher, and I want, to, I want to let you see what God was doing in all of this. And so I'd like to read this afternoon from John's Gospel, the first chapter. We're going to look at the first 14 verses And I want us to hear afresh this Christmas story as John tells it, which is a little different than Matthew and Luke, but it is no less true. Here we read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were were made through him, and without him was not anything made that has been made. In him was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it there was a man sent from God whose name was John he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him he was not the light but he came to bear witness about the light the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world he was in the world And though the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now you notice as we read the Christmas story here, there is no mention of Bethlehem or mangers or shepherds or magi. Because what John is trying to do or what God is trying to do through John is to take us all the way back to the beginning so that we can understand the majesty and the glory of this baby who was born in Bethlehem. You see, Jesus, the Son of God, is eternal. I I had a starting point uh, about nine months before July 3rd, 1962, was my starting point when I was conceived. Before then, I I wasn't around. I didn't exist. That's not true with Jesus' birth. Jesus is eternal. John tells us that he is the creator. He tells us that he is both with God and 
God himself. And, and that might be kind of confusing or confounding and, until we can embrace the truth that this child born in Bethlehem, this Jesus, is both fully God and fully human. Just imagine the untouchable God. As you read about the glory of God and how, you know, uh, God, God told the, the, the children of Israel, don't even come up on this mountain. Don't even touch this mountain because I, my glory is here. This untouchable God could now be picked up and he can be held in the arms of his mother Mary. What an incredible story. What an incredible truth. And although we might marvel at what we read in Matthew's gospel, marvel at what we read in Luke's gospel, when we read it here, we're getting this elevated view. We're looking down on God's plan of redemption. The truth that John wants to impart to us is that this was no ordinary birth. This was no ordinary baby. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And what he tells us is that this baby, this baby brought life and light into a world that was spiritually dark and was spiritually dead. We need to see this. He came just as, just as God had promised the the, the, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And you would think that when the Savior shows up, right, that the whole world would just be, uh, what, how would Andy Griffith, Andy Griffith put it? Pleased as punch that the Savior had come. But Isaiah said it wasn't going to be like that. We read in Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we're healed. You see, that infant born in Bethlehem, that baby Jesus, came to express to us the fullness of God's love and to completely fulfill God's mission of salvation. John said, verse 10 and 11, we read a few moments ago, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people. His own people, the people he came to save, did not receive him. And so as we marvel over the, this newborn king, this Jesus who was on that first Christmas day, as we peer over and we look into that manger at that precious child, we know that indeed he was despised and rejected 
and betrayed and crucified like a common criminal. And yet, listen, that tragic betrayal was no less a part of God's plan than that glorious birth. We need to hear that today. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, once once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in, in your evil actions, but now, now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. You know, Jesus didn't come just to give us a holiday in December. That's not why he came. Jesus, he didn't just come so that you could live your best life. Jesus came to die. Jesus came to be the sacrifice for your sins and for mine because contrary to popular opinion, human beings aren't basically good. Folks, that's why we have locks on our doors. If people were basically good, we wouldn't need locks on our doors. We could leave the keys in the ignition of our car. We wouldn't have to worry about anything if people were basically good. The reality is that all of us, the Bible says, are out of step with God's will and lost in our sin. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Because you and I and every person on the face of this earth needed someone to come and save us from our sin and our own self-deception. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Because without him, we were all lost. Every one of us. And so today, on this eve of Christmas, we need to celebrate, we need to rejoice in the Lord who came as a baby, who came to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. We need to celebrate this greatest of gifts. Now, some of you I know, you are, some of you are really, some, Aren't there are people who are just naturally really good gift givers, right? I mean, they, they just seem to be able to find the right thing, and, and, and it's always timely, and they never forget a special occasion, and it's always right there. Some of us struggle with that. Some of us struggle to find the right gift. Oh, oh you get your wife a, a, a frying pan? What, what, what were you thinking? Yes, of course, of course your wife would want an abdominizer. What, what woman wouldn't, wouldn't want that? Some of us struggle to find the right gift. Some of us are good at finding the right gift. But there is no gift that has ever been given or received that is greater than God's gift to us, who is Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Greatest gift. My hope and my prayer is that you have received God's gift. Because if you have, then what we've read in Scripture is, to those who have received him, he gave the right to be called children of God. 
I pray that that is you. If not, it can be. God's gift still waits for you to unwrap it and make it your own this evening. And if you're contemplating that here or maybe from home, I'd like to stop right now and just have a word of prayer for you. Would you join your hearts with me in this? Heavenly Father, we come in Jesus' name right now. We thank you for this greatest gift that you have given to us, salvation through your son Jesus. And I pray now for those who've not received that gift, who perhaps even this evening are struggling with that. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would call them and that they would respond in faith, trusting not in their own goodness, not in their own works, but trusting only in Jesus. Lord, I pray today will be the day of salvation. For someone who's hearing this message, even though they may have heard it a thousand times, that because of your work in their spirit, they're hearing with fresh ears. They're seeing with new eyes. And they want to say, That they turn from their sin. They turn from their self-deception. And they come and they kneel at the feet of Jesus. Declaring him to be Savior and Lord. And I ask this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. If you are here this evening or maybe you're watching and you would like to respond in some way. Or you'd like someone who... uh, could, could help you get started in a new walk with Christ. What a great time and glorious time to do it right here at Christmas. Then I want to let you know you can let us know. If you have a cell phone and you can text us, you can text, uh, you can text the word Jesus to 706-703-4477 and let us know. We would love to follow up with you and to begin to help you as you walk with Christ. And for those of you who are, believers, then I want to encourage you, having received the greatest gift, be generous to share it with others. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light of my life. And for many of you, he is your light as well. Tonight, we share that light symbolically through the lighting of of each of these candles from the Christ candle. Father God, may this moment not only be touching and meaningful, may, Lord, for someone tonight, may it be real for the very first time. Amen.